if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. If you set out on a destination and you don't have a destination in mind, chances are you're never going to get to where you want to go. So one of the things I want to talk about today is vision. I'm calling it Vision 2025, vision for the next several years of our church where I'd like to see us go to give us something that we can work towards together to give us a clear vision. And so to set the stage, I want to talk first a little bit about God's vision. God's vision, because as a church, we want our vision to line up with God's vision for his people. So God's vision, he tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, he says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's heart for his people, that all people would be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, we know that God has given us free will, that we can choose to follow him or not. And so we know that God isn't going to get exactly what he wants. God's not going to get all people, but he wants as many people as is possible to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So the question we should ask is, well, if that's God's vision, if that's God's vision for his people, then how does that come to pass? Does God just himself come down and tap people on the shoulders and, and bring them in? Or, or, or does he work in some other way to, to reach people? And, and most of you already know the answer to that question. So this is God's vision for his people. And I want to match that up with Jesus' mission. When Jesus came to earth, this is what he told us. He says, the Son of Man, referring to himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This was the mission of Jesus. He came to earth for the purpose of seeking and saving the lost, those who were far from God. As you can see, Jesus' mission, mission matched up with God's vision. God's vision was for all people to be saved, and so Jesus' mission lined up with God's vision. So he came to seek and to save the lost. We've seen that in our series as we've gone through Luke, that Jesus was intentional about the people that he hung out with and the way that he spent his time and the people that he invested in order to reach out to those who were far from God, to those who had been lost. He made reaching the lost a priority in his ministry. The things that he did, he did it with intention, uh, he did with purpose, and that purpose was to seek and to save the lost, to reach those who were far from God. Uh, another aspect of Jesus' mission we get from Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This is what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this fits right in with seeking and saving the lost because we know that salvation is more than just a ticket to heaven, right? Biblical salvation is more than just fire insurance. It's more than just knowing where we're going to go when we die. Salvation is about this life as well. And so a part of Jesus' ministry was to bring about healing and to, and to bring down oppressive structures to free people who are oppressed in different ways. And this is all a part of seeking and saving the lost, to work in communities, to make communities of health and wholeness where people could be set free from the different things that oppressed them and held them down. This is what Jesus came to do. So we have God's vision is for all people to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. We have Jesus' mission, which is to seek and to save the lost and to free them from oppression. And then we have the church's commission. God's vision, Jesus' mission, the church's commission. And this is the church's commission. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, right before he ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, the ones who have been following him around for uh, you know, up to three years, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This 
is Jesus' parting instructions for his disciples, those who were going to establish the church after he had ascended into heaven, those who would be taking the place that he had been doing in ministry. He left, and he left his mission to those he had trained up. And we see mission multiplication. We see Jesus began the mission, and then he gave that mission to his followers, his disciples. And he told them to then go forward and do exactly what he had been doing, to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything he had commanded. So this is the church's commission. So we have God's vision, all people to be saved. Jesus' mission, to seek and to save the lost. The church's commission, to follow in Jesus' footsteps and accomplish the mission that he began. So now I want to read to you a couple of quotes from a book that uh, the board uh, has been working through together. The book is called Direct Hit by Paul Borden, and it's about aiming leaders at the mission field. And uh, there's just a couple of quotes in here that I think really can help shape where we want to go. This is what Paul writes. He says, Congregations are created by God to be God's primary tool for making individual disciples and for changing entire communities. Does that seem to line up with Jesus' mission, right? Jesus came to help reach individuals and then believe that those individuals would help transform communities. And Paul tells us, and I believe that he's right, Paul Borden says, that congregations like us are God's primary tool for doing this. God could have chosen to work in the world in lots of different ways. He could have sent his angels to be his messengers to proclaim his gospel, but he didn't decide to do that, right? He chose to use people like you and people like me to be his messengers. He has made us his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece here on earth. And so congregations like us are God's primary tool for making individual disciples and for changing entire communities. So... If congregations are primary, God's primary tool and congregations don't do what God has called them to do, then God is not getting what God desires to have happen, which is all people to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So as a congregation who, filled with people who've been given free will, we get to decide if we want to let God use us the way that he intends to use us. Another quote from Paul Borden says this, Effective congregations are clear about their mission and focused on achieving a vision. Effective congregations are clear about their mission and focused on achieving a vision. And one of the things that I think that maybe we have been lacking the past couple of years, and I will take full responsibility for this, is we've lacked clarity in our vision. And we've lacked focus in our vision. And that's because I've talked, you know, sort of in generalities about things that we'd like to do at some point in the future, but we didn't put any specifics to them. And those of you who know anything about goal setting know that if, if you don't have a specific goal in mind and a specific plan, it's probably not going to get done, right? We can talk about things all day long, but until we have a specific plan on how we want to approach the, approach the, the challenge at hand, we're not going to get anywhere. So effective congregations are clear about their mission and focused on achieving a vision. So I'm hoping that this morning will be the the first step in bringing some clarity and some focus to our vision and our mission that will give us some very specific things that we can start to work towards both in the immediate future as well as the long-term future. And by doing so, I I think this clarity will help us focus our time and our energy and our resources and give us the the impetus that we need to to move forward uh, as, as one. Uh, so in the introduction to this book, Direct Hit, uh, the, a man named Will Willimon, he is a, a bishop for the United Methodist Church, he had a quote uh, in the introduction to this book that really, it just sort of 
like hit me in the gut. I read it and I was like, ugh, like it was just a, that maybe you maybe you've heard a sermon and you just you felt this this tinge of conviction, like ooh, like that was that was just for you. Well, reading this uh, quote in the book, it, it hit me in the gut, like it was just for me. Here's what Will Willimon said. He said, "Am I going to get passionate about the mission of Jesus or stand around just keeping house as the place falls in?" When I read that, I was like, "Oh." Will, Will, that was that was right to the heart. That was right to the heart. And, and are we going to get are we going to get passionate? Am I going to get passionate about the mission of Jesus? Are we as a church going to get passionate about the mission of Jesus, or are we going to stand around just keeping house as the place falls in? If we look around the country, there are lots of churches that are just content to keep house as the place falls in. And, and when they run out of funds and when they run out of people, they just close the doors and they move on. They're not passionate about the mission of Jesus. They're just, they're just keeping the place up until it falls in. They're, they're sweeping, the, sweeping the floors while everybody's walking out the doors. Okay? And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we going to get passionate about the mission of Jesus? Or are we going to stand around keeping house as the place falls in? And so I adapted this quote a little bit to, to make it a little bit uh, more personal for me. And it, and it hit me a little bit deeper in the gut. I changed it to say this. Am I going to take action on the mission of Jesus or stand around just talking about it as the place falls in? Because I've done a lot of talking about it. We've done a lot of talking about it. And I began to ask myself, okay, I, I've said this for a couple of years now. I said these are the things that we'd like to accomplish. But, but am I really doing anything to lead us down a path that's actually any different than what we've been doing? To actually help us achieve what it is that God has called us to achieve. When, when, when you first called me to, to be here, when I presented my plan to you, uh, I have not been faithful so far in, in leading us in the change that we all agreed that we needed to, to go on in order to reach the people that we needed to reach. So the question I need to ask myself, and the question we need to ask ourselves as a congregation, are we going to take action on the mission of Jesus, or are we going to stand around just talking about it and saying amen as the place falls in? Right? Because if we just talk about it, if we have this beautiful vision and we talk about what we could do and what we should do, but we don't actually do it, well, we know what Jesus said about that, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? So this has been convicting for me. And it led me over the past several months to really try to focus and narrow a clear mission, a clear vision for where we can go. So this is what I'm calling Vision 2025. There's three goals, three visions. One short-term, one is ongoing, and one sort of long-term. So here they are all together, and then we'll talk about them a little bit more. Number one, a grand reopening in the fall of 2018. So that's a year and a couple of months from now. A grand reopening in the fall of 2018. I'll explain what that's going to entail here in just a minute. Number two, increase the amount that we contribute to outside ministries by 1% every year. I want to see us start giving more and more to people who are out in the community doing good works and doing ministry. I'd like to see us get to the point where we're, so, that we're giving uh, more and more to, to people outside of us who are, who are doing good work in the community, investing in some of our partners in ministry around the community and around the world. Uh, and then number three, and this is, this, is pretty, this is pretty bold, I know, plant a daughter church by 2025. It, which is, you know, just seven and a half years away or so. I'd like to see us by 2025 at the place where we can send off a team of, of new leaders and a team of committed disciples to, to plant another church because Jesus' goal, Jesus' vision wasn't just 
addition to the church, but it was church multiplication, that disciples would multiply and that churches would multiply. And so I'd like to see us in seven and a half years be at the place where we can, we can raise up a team of leaders and then send them out to go plant, off, plant another church either here in Bloomington or somewhere else in the country. And we'll leave that open to God's leading as we move through. But I want us to, I want us to have a very clear vision of what we're trying to get towards. So let's talk about these goals in a little bit more detail. The first is a grand reopening in the fall of 2018. And here's what this will, uh, this will include. It'll include a physical renovation. Right? We'll do some redecorating. We'll, we'll update our um, sound system and our audiovisual. You know, we'll get a better projector so that you can actually see the graphics that we work hard to <laughs> project. and They're not just washed out. So it, it'll be uh, bringing in some consultants, some people who are familiar with the things that work in this particular time period. I, uh, in terms of interior design and sound design and visual design and, uh, and, and things that are attractive to today's audience, today's generation. We want to search out the people who have understanding of the times. That's something that we find in scripture, people who have understanding of the times, understand what people are looking for. And this isn't that radical of a concept, right? We know this happened just recently here with several of our McDonald's restaurants in Bloomington. What they did is they realized that they were outdated with their, um, a lot of the, their interior design and decor and, and menu offerings and, and all of that. The you know, styles and design change over time. And so they brought in consultants and they identified what was attractive to their customers. And they adapted and they redesigned in order to continue to be attractive to the people they were trying to draw into their restaurants. So we're going to uh, tap some people who have a good understanding of that. That's not me, um, but thankfully I know some people who know some people who are good at that. Um, and, and they can identify, here's what is attractive to today's generation. There's a quote that's often attributed to Thomas Jefferson. It wasn't actually him. Um, but it says, in matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. So in matters of style, in terms of how things look in the, in the style, that's the music style, the decor style, the, the style of how we do things, we want to swim with the current. We want, to be, uh, we want to match what is attractive in other places. And so we want to do what's necessary to draw people in and make them feel comfortable in this time period. In matters of principle, in terms of what we teach and what we preach and what we're trying to do, we, we don't change. Uh, another way to say this, you may have heard me say this, it comes from one of my favorite preachers, uh, we want to marry our mission but date our model. Our mission stays the same, right? Our mission is reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Our model is how we do that. It's what we use to attract people. It's the style of music. It's the decor that we use. It's the programs that we offer, the, the different ministries that we invest in. Our mission, reaching people and changing communities, stays the same. The model, the way that we do that, can change. And so we're going to spend some time over the next year as we dream up a, a new model, how to reach people more effectively to draw in the people that we're trying to reach. So physical renovation, worship team, uh, we'll be working with Christy and others as we move forward over the next year to, to really build a solid worship team so that we can have a good blend of the newer music as well as the hymns that we love because I think you know, it's important to offend everybody equally. Uh, uh, I, I think you know. I think it's good to make everybody a little uncomfortable. There's there's great uh, history in the hymns and great theology in the hymns, and and you know I grew up on hymns. I love some of the hymns, but there's also great 
things about contemporary music, and contemporary music is what draws in a lot of crowd. And so we, we're going to come up with a system and a plan to blend these things together. And we're going to uh, work with Christy, and if you know of anybody, any strong, solid musicians that we can put together a strong, solid worship team so that we can come fall of 2018, that we've got a really strong team that can have strong and energetic and vibrant uh, music worship. So that's one of the things we're going to work on. Uh, children's ministry, one of the things that we don't have now that we're going to need, especially if we want to attract young families, uh, families with children, is to have children's ministry. So we're going to need to train up people who are ready and able and willing to work with children. And that means getting background checks, and that means understanding children's curriculum and what it means to have a vibrant children's ministry. And so we're going to need some people who are going to be willing to look into that and maybe stretch their comfort zone a little bit as they study what it means to have a, a vibrant children's ministry. We're going to want to expand our small group ministry. One of the greatest ways to grow discipleship in a church is small groups. I've told you this time and time again. I wish everybody here would be a part of a small group. There's, there's just something about a, a smaller circle where everybody's discussing. You know, me up here talking to you is one thing, but when we get together in a small group and we're able to ask questions and you can contribute. And so one of the greatest ways, number one, to grow churches and two, to, to actually grow disciples, people who are uh, becoming formed it, like Christ is in small group ministry. And so we're going to need people who are going to be willing to be leaders. I can't lead every small group, so I'm going to need to raise up some small group leaders and people who are willing to, maybe you're not ready to lead, but you're willing to open up your home on some evening to have people come in and you're willing to host and be hospitable and somebody else might lead. Uh, and then we're going to want to expand our community service ministry. How are we working with people outside of our walls in terms of we, we do some things already, uh, but we're going to want to do more, reaching out to people uh, in, in different ministries so that we can serve our community in the way that Jesus served his community. So I've actually got a meeting uh, this coming week with uh, the director of a local mission uh, just to see what they're looking for in terms of um, partners, things that we might be able to do. But uh, as you're out in the community, you have connections that I don't have. You can start thinking about here are ways that I think that we can reach out into our community to reach people. So these are just a few things that we're going to want to have set by fall of next year, which means we're going to need to start working now uh, to start getting some of these things set and in place and plans drawn up so that when we do our grand reopening, we can uh, have everything ready. Because when people come in that door, they're not, most people don't want to hear, oh, well, we've got plans for that in the future. They want to know, well, what do you have to offer right now? That's just how things work. If you walk into McDonald's and they say, yeah, we're going to have cheeseburgers, you know, next year, uh, you're probably not going to come back until next year, right? So we want to have all of these things ready. And what this will enable us to do come fall of 2018 is then we can this gives us an opportunity to send out some, some new marketing, some new advertising. We can put out signs and flyers and, and radio and internet, all of these different. Uh, we can send out flyers to the neighborhood. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to celebrate. We can have an open house once we have you know, our, our renovations done. So this gives us, it's sort of like a, a rebirth or a new beginning. That's what a grand reopening does. Uh, businesses do this all the time. Businesses that have been open for years, they'll close down for a period of time. They'll do their renovations. They'll reopen. And when they reopen, they, they use it as a celebration to invite lots of people in to see what they've done. So this will sort of give us an opportunity to have sort of a fresh start, a new beginning. So this is my vision for fall of 2018. That's just a year and a couple of months away. Right after the beginning of uh, school starts next week, it'll give us a chance to blast some marketing out to the college students. Hopefully by that time, we'll have the beginnings of a college young adult ministry ready to go. Um, so that's part one of Vision 2025. Part two is to increase the amount we contribute to outside ministries by 1% every year. 
This is, I think this is a goal that we can to continue to be outside focused. A lot of times churches become too focused about uh, internal stuff, uh, so this will help us to continue. It'll force us to be outsider focused and to invest in ministries that are doing things that we can't necessarily do. Right? We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to come up with our own homeless shelter and food pantry and, and deaf ministry and all that. We can invest in partners who are already doing that. I'd like to see us give more and more to these ministries uh, every year. One per- that doesn't seem like it's that unreasonable to give 1% every year. But in order to do that, we're going to have to do a few things. We're going to have to figure out a way to grow our income. That means maybe on our end that we give a little bit more. If the church is going to give a little bit more, maybe that means that we have to give a little bit more. Uh, or we... Um, uh, invite more people to come in, right, as we have more people who are giving. That will increase our income. Um, we'll need to continue to use wide stu- wise stewardship. Our, our steering committee and our uh, treasurer have done a great job so far s- wisely stewarding what we've got. So now that we've got a pot that we can invest, but we'll need to continue to do that. Uh, and then number three, maybe sacrificial giving. Maybe that means that we may not feel ready at the end of this year to give 1%, but we're going to commit to do it anyway, right? Because we believe that's what uh, God is leading us to do, to continue to invest in ministries in our community. So that's an ongoing goal from now moving forward is that we just continue to increase what we give outside of the church every year. And then number three, and this is the big one, to plant a daughter church by 2025. And in order to do that, that means that we're going to need to grow, numeric- grow numerically and we're going to have to develop leaders, right? We're going to, if we're going to send some people out, you know, we can't really plant a church with what we've got because we have basically a church plant here. Um, so we're going to need to bring in people, and as we bring them in, we're going to need to train them up and raise them up and help them become leaders so that we can send them out. So this is something that if we want to, you know, we can't wait until um, December of 2024 to start working on this idea of planting a church in 2025. So I want us to think long term. What do we need to do now? How, what are some things that we can do now to start planning to, to multiply here in seven or eight years? And then it, wouldn't it be great if we could plant a church every five years after that? I mean, how neat would it be if, if we could just plant a new church every five years? We could get in the system. And there are churches that do this, but it, it takes shifting the way that we think about what we do things. and It, it takes really becoming mission-focused in our planning, in our programming, in our finances. So I'd like to see us be able to plant a daughter church by 2025. So I know some of you may be thinking, oh my goodness, Thomas, this is really, really bold and ambitious. I I agree with you. I think it is. And there's a reason for that. Uh, I've adapted this from another one of my favorite pastors. He said, uh, God honors bold vision because bold vision honors God. Right? I really believe that. If, you, if we look at the stories in Scripture of the people who pleased God, the people who, who God uh, was proud of, who God praises, the stories that we have recorded, it's people who took big steps in faith. People who took steps that didn't necessarily make sense, steps that looked scary in the moment, but when they did that, when they stepped out and trusted God, especially trying to accomplish God's mission for their lives, God honored them. And so some of this is going to seem a little bit scary, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a significant investment over the next year to do the, the renovations and the updates that need to be done just in the physical plant and the audiovisual and, and potentially staff. It's going to take a significant investment to, to do this, but we're doing it because we believe that we're in line with God's vision, which is what? That all people would be saved and come under the knowledge of the truth. So that's why we're doing this. And so it's, it's going to be scary. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going, to cause, it's going to make us step out in faith in ways that may, you know, stretch us a little bit. But as we've talked about, that's where our faith grows. So I know, I, I know what you are all thinking right now. You are all thinking this exact same question. So how can I help? 
right? I know that's what you were thinking. I know, you, I, I know you were just thinking, how can I help? How can I be a part of this? Well, here's a few things that, that you can do. First is to pray. As we go forward, just to, to pray for the church, to pray for the steering committee, to pray for me as I uh, you know, attempt to, to lead this thing, to, to help us accomplish this vision, just you know, pray. Uh, pray that we would be in line with God's vision, that he would give us wisdom and discernment, that he would bring in the necessary resources and the necessary people to help us accomplish what God is calling us to accomplish. Uh, two is to trust, uh, to trust God in the process. And I'm going to ask you to, to trust me in the process, that you brought me in for a reason, that God is working within me and giving me um, dreams and, and, and visions to help us accomplish what God has called us to. I know that some of this is not going to be your favorite. I, I know that some of this is going to require some sacrifice on your part. It's going to require some sacrifice on my part. Um, not everything that I would prefer is what we're going to get. We're going we're gonna to work together for what we need to do to reach the people we're trying to reach. So I ask that we would just be trusting in the process that we would uh, give us the benefit of the doubt and the benefit of trust as we move forward. Uh, if we don't move forward as one, uh, we're never going to accomplish our vision. If we're, if we're internally divided, if we're questioning things, if we're trying to do our own thing uh, in the process, it's just going to slow down what we're trying to do. Number three is give. Uh, we're going to need you, everybody to continue to, to give uh, financially as we, as we continue to reach out. It's going to take some uh, investment on our part financially and time-wise. So uh, continue to give. Uh, and, and maybe this gives you a vision now that you know exactly what it is that you're giving toward. Um, but we're going to need everybody to, to team up and to continue to give. And then serve, right? I can't do all of these things on my own. It, it would be... Number one, I'm not gifted in all of these things. Number two, I don't have enough time in the day. And number three, I'm robbing you from opportunities to serve. So there are going to be certain areas where you know that God has gifted you, whether that's um, opening your home in hospitality, whether that's serving as a small group leader, whether that's serving on the worship team, whether that's working on a, a team that does pastoral visitation to those who are um, sick, whether that's... Uh, organizing activities. There's going to be areas where, where you can serve, where you can give, and it's going to take all of us. We're, we're a small enough group that we can't afford to have people sitting on the sidelines. And so I'm hoping that with a clear vision, this is going to inspire you now to, to serve in the abilities and the giftings that God has given you. And the number five, uh, invites. Invite people to be a part of what we're doing. You know, we can't grow the church if we don't invite people to come in. And so it's going to take you with your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers or, or your servers at the restaurant or wherever you're going to invite people to be a part of what we're doing, to share the good news of what God has done in your life, the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ in the world. We're going to need everybody to start inviting people together. We're actually doing a little, a little contest in our two small groups. If you're in those small groups, you know what those contests are, so uh, uh, some invitation contests. So we're going to need everybody to invite. This is going to take a, uh, a, a team effort. This can't be something that I want to do and nobody else wants to do. It will never work that way. It'll never work if we are internally divided and fighting each other, fighting each other. So I'm asking that you would pray and trust and give and serve and invite through the process um, talk with me if you have questions or concerns, but I, I really pray that you would that, that we could solidify together as, as one body and, and believe that God will use us to be a part of what he's doing here in the community. Uh, I came across this quote that I think speaks particularly to, to our congregation. Uh, it's a true quote in general, but I think in terms of what we're trying to do here. This is from Nelson Henderson. He says, The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. 
The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. In other words, I know that some of the things that we're doing here uh, is going to be things that you are not, not all of us are necessarily going to get to enjoy uh, the fruit of this. And it's going to take actually some sacrifice on some of your parts. It's going to be building a church that maybe wouldn't be your ideal or your primary church to go to. But you're doing it with the future in mind for future generations. We're planting seeds now so that future generations can sit under the under the shade, or in this case, you know, under the light of the gospel for generations to come. And so the question I want to ask of you is this. What is the faith of the next generation worth? What is the faith of the next generation worth? Is it worth being willing to change and shift and, and give up and sacrifice for the faith of the next generation, to reach those who are far from God? Are we willing to, to make some of these shifts, some of these adjustments, maybe in areas that make us uncomfortable? Are we willing to make maybe some deep investments so that future generations, and I want you to think, um, you know, my generation, uh, Madison's generation, and then Madison's children and grandchildren. Can, can we invest in, in generational growth for the church, can we can we leave a legacy behind so that our children and our grandchildren and our great grandchildren can have a church, can have a legacy of, of our faith? Can we think about what we're doing over the next one to seven and a half years of of planting seeds for future generations to reap the fruit of? Um, I believe that we're at a unique place, at a unique opportunity right now. I think this is as good a time as any to make these changes. Um, I think if you look around, we'll realize that if we don't make these changes soon enough, then you know, we, we may go the way of other churches. And so this is the time. This is the time for us to buckle down, to invest, to step out in faith, and to really trust God. And I, I, I prayed about this vision. Um, I, I talked about it with others. I, I brought it to the steering committee. They were on board with it. They agreed, so we're going to come up with the plan. But in order to do that, we, we've got to do it together. Scripture tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. And so I'm hoping that this vision now will give anchor, will give root to what we're trying to do, and that we can see, we can allow God to use us, to rebirth us, to make a difference here in this community, to achieve God's vision and Jesus' mission through our commission. Let me pray. Lord, we, we know what your vision is. We know that it's your desire for all people to be saved and come unto a knowledge of the truth. Father, we are so grateful that that has been accomplished in our lives, but we know that there's more out there who it hasn't. We know that you have commissioned us, God, to make disciples, to grow your church, to advance your kingdom, to be at work for good in our community. So, Father, we pray for this vision. God, I believe that this is a God-ordained vision that you have given this, that you are at work in it. And I believe that as we trust you, as we work together, you will help us to accomplish this vision. I believe that this bold vision that comes from you, that you will honor it because it's honoring to you. And it's in line with your vision and your mission for the church. So I pray for this time together. I pray that you would unify us around this vision, that you would help us to to think of the trees that we're planting now, think of the generations that will enjoy the shade for generations to come. I pray that you will bless these people for their sacrifice, for their giving, for their commitment to serve. Father, that you would help them to experience the joy of being on mission with you. And I just pray that this church would experience a rebirth, uh, that you would help us to be reborn, and in doing so, that you would help us to reach out to those who are far from you, that you would help us to be your hands and your feet to offer your 
care and your love and your peace and your purpose to those who are still walking in darkness. So, Father, in this process, I pray that you would lead me, that you would lead our steering committee, that you would be with each and every one of us, and that you would help us to, uh, to just stay mission-focused, that you would help us to sort of shed anything that, that is contrary to the mission, contrary to the vision, that you would help us to agree together to reach those who are far from you, because this is why you have created us. I pray for these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, don't forget there's T-shirt sign-up sheets in back. If you have any questions or concerns, if you want to talk, don't hesitate to let me know. We can talk now or set up an appointment, but as we go forward, we're going to need everybody together. So you are dismissed. God bless you.